It was kind of like a horse race where the the favorite was running behind until they made that last turn towards home, and then they found a little gas in the tank and managed to cross the finish line just in time. Talking about the ratification vote for the tentative agreement between the UAW and General Motors uh, in the past few hours, I think the, the consensus has been there are enough yes votes, but only barely in the end, I think it was about 54% passage. Paul Eisenstein watching it all as he covers the L.A. Auto Show out on the West Coast, the senior contributing editor for Headlight News. Uh, Paul, good morning and good early morning. Thanks for waking <laughs> up with us at the crack of doom on the on the coast. Yeah, good. Thank you. And by the way, I should say it's Headlight.News so people know there's no com in there. It's Headlight.News. Thank you for clarifying that. So, um Give us your take on this and where it leaves the union, both in its efforts to uh, unionize transplants and and foreign automakers. Well, that's a good story. Uh, Now, you're right, as you said, uh, leading in, that it looked for a while like the GM contract would go down. We saw some pretty big plants. Spring Hill, Tennessee is a good example, that had voted no. Uh, but then the Arlington plant down in Texas, you know, that's a major plant, uh, came in with a, a solid yes vote, and it seemed to take it over the goalpost. Uh, we're looking to see uh, what happens next. And you, you, you raised a very important issue. Uh, uh, the head of the union, uh, Sean Fain, has made a lot of noise lately about going after organizing all these foreign-owned assembly plants that are all across the country. In fact, we're seeing more plants come in, like a new EV plant that will build vehicles for uh, Hyundai and Kia that's going into Georgia. Uh, we're seeing expanded operations at the Volvo plant down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, where they're going to be building vehicles for both Volvo and the Polestar EV brand. Uh, and there's not a single one of them that's unionized. So that's going to be a big issue. Can the UAW, after almost 40 years of trying to organize these plants finally crack in. Paul, also, you know, those plants are giving their workers raises, too, without having to go out on strike. You got Hyundai and some of these other plants are giving these these uh, uh, workers ra- uh, raises. How does that factor in with the UAW trying to go and unionize to get them wages like that when they got them automatically? Oh, you you hit on a critical point. Uh, We have seen since the first Honda plant opened down in Marysville, Ohio, about four decades ago, that the so-called transplants have watched the UAW negotiations very closely. And pretty much every time the union up in Detroit gets some big win, well, surprise, surprise, the transplants typically match it. Not all, not exactly even. We haven't seen... uh, Uh, another non-union American plant, Tesla, uh, offer uh, matching wages. But we've seen now what uh, Toyota, Hyundai, um, trying to remember there was a third, and I expect pretty much all of the foreign plants, BMW, Mercedes, and so on, to do the same thing. They're betting that by keeping the the non-union workers pretty darn close to what Detroit manufacturers are giving out, uh, those workers won't just won't be lured into uh, organizing by the UAW. 
Paul, uh, what do you think it says that the the ratification at GM was so close, but it passed, uh, will pass easily in the other two of the big three? I mean, is it relations with management and what do they do moving forward? Well, you may recall that the last strike that hit the Detroit automakers was a GM strike that went on for, what, 42 days, if I recall. Uh, It was a big one. And there has always been, as far back as I've been covering the industry anyway, uh, a bit of a strained relationship between the union and GM. Uh, It just seems that they've never been able to quite get that relationship fixed, and it really went sour during the 80s and 90s. And uh, like I said, just has never fully recovered. Uh, There's some other issues. Uh, Some folks feel that they didn't come through with this contract with enough cash, only 25% raise, uh, where the union had originally gone for 40%. Uh, Some feel that they didn't take care of retirees or existing retirees well enough. And and then they also saw that Mac, the big truck plant, uh, had a contract, was rejected, and uh, they had to negotiate a better agreement. So there were some folks saying, hey, we didn't get everything. Let's try again, uh, figuring that if they went out strike again, GM would cave. So during the negotiations, there, Jim Farley and others said, look, there's already a huge uh, labor competitive disadvantage between us and Tesla and between us and the transplants. I think with Tesla, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 40%. Well, now, you know, Honda, as you, Toyota and Hyundai have all come up with wage increases. Is that labor disadvantage worse? Has the gap narrowed or did it just kind of shift uh, and, and are we in the same place where we started? Well, a lot of the manufacturers, the transplants, tend to stay pretty close to what Detroit is giving when it comes to wages and uh, often with benefits. But remember, there are some other things that the these non-union plants get, which, which can make a big difference. Uh, the Detroit manufacturers are, I guess I'll use the word saddled, with, with some fairly strict uh, work rules. It, it impacts very strongly their flexibility, uh, how they can move workers around, uh, how many workers they might need to do a particular operation, uh, whether or not when a, when a uh, plug needs to be put in for, for, for some tool that the worker who's going to use the tool can plug it in or they have to wait for a skilled tradesperson to come yeah, over, right. which can, can add cost uh, and delay operations. And that's where the where a lot of the transplants have a real advantage. They're a lot more flexible. Paul, these um, uh, GM joint venture uh, battery plants, uh, you know, a joint venture between like LG Energy Solutions and, and Ultium that are now part of the national labor agreement. How does that work and how, how will they be able to uh, get those wages up there? Well, I, I still am trying to fully grasp what's going on there because typically labor law has made it so that a new company and these joint ventures are essentially new corporations in the eyes of the law uh they have to have workers vote to uh decide to accept the union or not uh i i I still am a little bit confused and i've talked to some labor experts who are saying the same thing. They're a little bit confused about how this will go down. Assuming that they can roll these these new uh, battery plants in, uh, that would be a big deal because uh, a lot of them were paying, a lot of the 
battery plants out there already are paying very low wages. And so this would be a major right. step up for the workers there. Paul, very quickly, because we've only got 60 seconds, but when uh, someone votes no on this contract, from those that you've talked to, is it a soft no or is a bleep no, I don't want this contract? How how bitter is can we interpret that no? I think it goes anywhere from, eh, let's try it again, maybe we can get more, to bleep, 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 no. A, a four bleeper. <laughs> oh, wow. Normally, we only get that from uh, protesters and football coaches. That's uh, all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we'll see. That that means there has to be some fence mending at the local level at these plants that rejected that. And that will be a story that I know you'll be covering going forward at headlight.news. We will. All right. Enjoy the time out in L.A. Uh, I, I wanted to pick your brain on the Honda Prelude concept. We'll have to do that at a different time. We'll invite people to check it out online. Thanks, Paul.